God is so incredibly, incredibly good. If you want to be turning in your Bibles, the book of Luke chapter 18, while Emerge is making their way over next door, if you've got a middle school student, Emerge is going right there next door for middle school church. Um, Treehouse Ministry up fifth grade is upstairs headed out, so if you've got some you want to take with them, they will certainly enjoy um, the church that we have designed for, for children and, and younger adults, I guess we could say. While you turn there in your Bibles, I, I want to tell you thank you for a couple of things. <coughs> um, one, I, I feel like I already see a result in, in the presence of God as the choir sings in the presence of a spirit falling. I, w- I want to say thank you to your responsiveness to God's words. Um, God gives messages. Um, some messages clip my wings. And some messages ride hard on me. I know they're for me. They're to shape me, to make me stronger. And unfortunately, some of the messages where God's trying to make something out of me, you have to endure it because I bring them in here and share it with you. But God gave us a message on on the incredible promises of God. And it was at a time, I'll be honest, when I needed it. We were, and Shane and Leah as well, coming off COVID. I needed to be reminded of some of the promises of God. We'd been through a rough road, a rough time. And, but in it, we had seen God's promises fulfilled. We had seen God do some things. And, and I had no answers as to why God answers some prayers different than he does others. All I did have was that God answered mine. <laughs> That's all I knew was he showed up in the midnight hour when I just had to have him, and he was there for me. And, so we had the promises, but about the time I got up on that high mountain, God reminded me that I don't just get to claim promises. I have some responsibilities. As a Christian, I have some accountabilities. There are some things that I'm supposed to do. There's a way that I'm supposed to live. There are some, some things in this book that, that are they're promises, but, but the commandments come with the promises. One of the things that we looked at that day, we looked at several, but one of the things that we looked at that day was the tithe. And the reason I can mention that one is because that's one that I can see a difference in or whether there is one or not. And I, I don't know anything about any of you and what you're doing tithe. I don't want to know. It's none of my business. I'm just pastor of the church. My job is just to preach the truth of the gospel. But I have a bottom line number that I have to work with every week. I can tell you that. My bottom line number has changed which means somebody stepped up to the plate. Either somebody that had money stepped up and made a bigger contribution, or it means what I really would rather see is multiple people stepped up. So I asked Miss Sylvia because she does know. Somebody has to know, right? It comes to find out that, that several people who had not tithed in quite some time are tithing again. And some who had never tithed are trying God now. That's a fair way to say that. God says, prove me now herewith, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there'll be not room enough to receive. And I want you to know, I'm praying every day for God to manifest himself to you. I'm not praying for you to win the lottery. I'll just go ahead and fill you in on that. I'm praying for God to make himself real in your life, that, that you see the windows of heaven open. And that may or may not have anything to do with money, but I want God to show himself to you. But then uh, last week, we looked at the fast, and today we start a 40-day fast together as a church, and for those of you who may not have been here, maybe on live stream, no, we're not fasting 40 days. You can look at me until I would die if I tried to fast 40 days. 
But we are fasting together for 40 days. And that means that everybody in here signed up for a day. And I asked you last week, with everybody, there was a calendar out there with October, November, December, some days next off, but it gave 40 days that were blank. And we're going to fast in those 40 days. And would you just put a check for your name because the fast is supposed to be a solemn fast. It's not to exalt ourselves. So really to put our name on a calendar would look bad. Especially if somebody wanted to do a five-day or a seven-day, it would look bad. So we're just using check marks. But the calendar almost immediately filled up with your check marks. I told you for the check mark on a day, just put another check mark. I don't care if there's 10. It doesn't matter if we have 10 fasting on a day as long as somebody is fasting on every day. So if there's a blank day, make sure you fill it up. So the calendar is full. See that? That's important to me because what that is is that's a response to God's Word. That has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with you and your desire to be closer to God, to establish a oneness, a closer relationship, an intimate relationship with God Almighty. And you say, God, if fasting is it, what we're doing it's always amazing to me to see how God does things. When, when God gives me a, a message or even something comes in like two or three weeks, it seems like God is, is stuck on a point. And then I begin to find out that the Sunday school teacher's messages were the same as what you were preaching. But then I begin to find out that, that other pastors are preaching along the same lines. That tells me that God's doing something in His church. That tells me that God's doing something in this community. And he's trying to get the attention of his people. And if God's trying to get the attention of his people about something, that means God plans to do something. And he plans to use his people if they will heed to what he's given them. So I told you this 40-day fast, we're doing this in conjunction with Oakside Baptist Church. I was talking to Pastor Tim Tidwell, and they started theirs last week. So I know that there's at least the two churches doing a 40-day fast in conjunction. They started earlier, it will end earlier. But then I learned a couple of days ago that Baptist Tabernacle has just started back Sunday night services this past week. In their first Sunday night service, they went in and did a little short devotion, and then they went out and did a prayer walk around the church and pastor jimmy is about to start a sunday evening series if you will a series of messages on prayer i have no idea what he'll preach on how he'll preach but but what amazes me is that that god would follow up with our responsibilities and then god would bring us to a, a day of a solemn fast and to start something and then god would bring us a message this morning on prayer the art of prayer, the necessity of prayer, the benefit of prayer, the absolute must-have in our life, prayer. And then to find out that God's doing that at other churches in the community. What that tells me is God is looking to do something in LaGrange, Georgia. And God is looking for Faith Baptist Church to be part of whatever He's doing. And since you and I are Faith Baptist Church, that means I believe God has something special in store for us. I told you last week that I was reminiscing, if you will, Wishing and wondering, if you will, why services are always so elevated in October. We do Judgment Journey, and the power of God moves through this place, and people fill the altars, and people weep. And it's like, God, we're not having Judgment Journey. Give us something else to do. We're not seeing the power. And I told you last week, God, show me you're not doing anything because you're not ready to do anything. Because you're not doing Judgment Journey, you're not praying like you usually do in October. 
Because you're not down there in those woods fulfilling that, you're not fulfilling this. You're not fasting, you're not praying, you're not gathering together in group prayer, you're not making it important within the church. And the bottom line is the reason Judgment Journey is what it is is because you prepare yourselves through prayer to be used by God. Therefore, my spirit shows up in your services because you've made a a time to reach me and to convene with me. And the reason I'm not showing up that way is because you ain't preparing that way. Well, that's a cold, hard way, and I ain't even got to the message yet, ain't it? So that's what God showed me. But here, here's what I, I really want to know. If you've been in services here in October, and you know what I'm talking about, and a lot of you raised your hand last week, and you know the Spirit of God and the power of God that moves when we pray together and work together and focus on being servants of God together, and you want to see God do that in this church now, not because of judgment journey, but because God can, because God has a people that want to be used, because God can fulfill His Word through people that will come and say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Just, I just want to be a servant. If you want to see God move in our services the way we've seen in the past in October, November, just raise your hand. It can happen. If we're not as close to God as we've been at any time in the past, It's our fault. God hasn't moved. He is the unchanging God. So if we're not as close as we have been in October's past, it's because we're not in the same place we need to be. We've not tried to draw closer to Him. Last week, we looked at three simple words. We were there in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We looked at a message that simply says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means our hearts should always be in an attitude of prayer. Not just judgment journey. Not just when it's Friday and we know what's coming tonight. And we got to prepare ourselves and clean ourselves up. And show up here early and be in prayer meetings and get scenes ready. And have prayer meetings in between group and prayer meetings after one went out. Not just then, but now. But all day, every day. That we're to pray without ceasing. For those of you who are note takers, I'll go ahead and tell you, get your pen and your pad ready, because I'm going to give you two before I even get to the morning text. The goal of prayer is intimacy with God, not the acquisition of things. I said the goal of prayer is intimacy with God, not the acquisition of things. The greatest change that comes from prayer, earnest prayer, true prayer. The the greatest change that comes from prayer is the transformation from trying to convince God to please us to a growing desire for us to please God. One of the things we tend to forget in church these days is this all about Him. Not, isn't the name of anybody in here wonderful? Not, isn't the name of faith wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Here in our text this morning, the book of Luke chapter 18, again this morning, I'm going to give you one verse, Luke 18, verse number 1, Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, that he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought Always to pray and not to faint. Jesus spake a parable to them 
at Faith Baptist Church in October 2021. And everything up to now from when he spoke it, Jesus spake a parable that to this end men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word always means at all times. Always means every minute of every day. He uses the word faint here, not to faint. That word faint means to never fail, to never grow weak, or to never grow weary. So Jesus says that all men ought to always pray and never grow weary of prayer. Never grow tired of praying. Never grow weak in praying. I want to look at a message this morning entitled, Moving Forward Together. This church isn't going anywhere on you. It's not going anywhere on me. But through the power of God, reached through the prayer of God's people, God can use this church. And God will use this church when we become a people adamant about building our relationship with Him through prayer. Amen? God, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for this precious love letter that you gave us. Thank you for all the stories of the Old Testament that tell us how you were enough then and all the things to remind us that you're enough now. God, there's never a time when you're not with us. There's never a time when you would fail us. God, there's times that we fall away and we fade away. God, there's times we even become like the prodigal and find ourselves in the hogmire. But there's never a time that we can't turn back to you and you come running to us with open arms and put on a robe and a ring upon our finger and bring us into the house with great rejoicing for your children to return home, God. I pray, Father, you'd move in a mighty way today. Lord, I thank you for your people that have dedicated themselves to prayer, that have dedicated themselves to fasting. I pray that you would honor it according to your word. I pray that you would move in a mighty way in the Spirit this morning. I pray you'd anoint us in here, Father, that we would be about your business. I pray, God, you'd fill our hearts, move some demons and troubles and trials and problems and things out of the way that would hinder your presence this morning from doing something special. God, if there's one in here this morning that's never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray you'd take that one closest to hell, God, and make today be the day of salvation for them, that you might save a soul today, God. We love you, Father. Lord, I ask you to lift some burdens, remove some trials. I pray... God, that you would help us, teach us to be a people of great prayer. We trust you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. When we pray as a church in one accord, then we will be a people in one accord. I said, when we pray, y'all don't go to sleep now. I just got through the introduction. Don't start phasing off already. Don't be yawning and dozing. I said, when we pray... In one accord, we will be a people in one accord. When each one of us pray individually at home before we come here, get up tomorrow and pray, Tuesday and pray, every day of the week and pray, when prayer becomes important to us individually, and then we come together and pray corporately, the power of God will move and you and I will be in one accord. One like-mindedness. Because prayer not only unites our heart, with God, but through prayer, God knits our hearts together. God unites you and I together that we might be one in Him. That's what He's talking about when He says, Try the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is within each of us is the same Holy Spirit. And it's the same one that connects and binds. Prayer ought to be the first thing we do every morning when we get out of bed. Prayer ought to be the last thing we do at night before we go to sleep. 
And prayer ought to happen at all points in between. We ought to maintain an attitude of prayer. Can you walk around praying all the time, verbally out loud? No, nor should you. I don't want you to get put in a rubber room. But you can always be thinking about prayer. You can always be in communion with God. You can always, in any time alone, if you're in your car, wherever you are, you can always be working on the relationship with God. It is prayer that gives us strength for the day. It is prayer that builds our faith. It is prayer that helps us to love others the way the Word of God tells us to. It is prayer that gives us strength to overcome temptations. Anybody need any of those things during the day? Prayer is where they come from. Personal time alone is where Christians gain strength. I'll tell you this. For the one that only prays when they're in public, the one that only prays when they're around somebody else, they're praying to be seen of men. For the one who does not have a personal private prayer life, he has no prayer life at all. Prayer life to be seen of men does absolutely nothing to please God. Prayer is what happens when, when we are alone with God. When we spend time in prayer, it demonstrates how much we love God. It demonstrates how much we long for His presence in our life. It demonstrates how much we, we want God to use Him so that we might be pleasing with our lives. Prayer is an earnest desire for a divine relationship. I got a couple of amens. I'm going to have to keep repeating myself so I make sure everybody's listening. Prayer is an earnest desire for a divine relationship. It's our strength. It's our security. It is our spiritual nutrition. Jesus taught us to pray to guard against weakness. Jesus knows that if we don't pray, we will become weak in our attitude, weak in our service, weak. In our efforts, we will become weak and unable to be used by Him. So He taught us to pray that we might be strong in the power of God to help us guard against weakness. Fervent prayer is simply a move of the heart towards the things of God. It's moving away from earthly things and toward heavenly things. It is the fulfillment of Matthew 6, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Prayer is simply seeking first the things of God. Fervent prayer is not an accident. Fervent prayer is not a duty. It's a privilege. It, it, it is an honor that, that we are able to, to pray Prayer is simply a passionate heart that has a desire for the things of God, that desires to be close to God. It is a passion that is driven from within. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct our lives because the Holy Spirit inside of us will drive us to pray. He will teach us to be a people of prayer. He will push us into a relationship, a communion, a oneness with the Father because He desires that we pray. Nothing distinguishes the child of God as much as prayer. Nothing will empower the child of God as much as prayer. Nothing will purify us, cleanse us, make us a more usable vessel in the hands of a living, mighty God as much as prayer. Jesus told us in the book of John, chapter 13, he said in verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. But then he said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. 
We can't love people without prayer. For the Christian who prays earnestly, it'll be evidenced in two things. The Christian who prays earnestly will have a passion for the lost and a love for the brethren. John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. You know the story. I must needs go through Samaria. And he went and he sent the disciples to get some things. And he's at the well. He's talking to this woman. But he says in verse 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Prayer is simply the outward flow of an inward passion. It is simply the love of God in us coming out of us, trying to draw a relationship with him. It is through prayer that we are converted into the image of Christ. If you're not praying and not studying, you can't be growing. Therefore, you're maintaining a stalemate. I told you last week, you're either getting more like God, you're either getting closer to God, or you're getting further away from God. You can't be still. You'll either draw near or you'll fall away. For the one who doesn't pray... The decision is simple. He'll fall away. Martin Luther says he is no Christian who does not pray. As a shoemaker makes a shoe and a tailor makes a coat, so ought a Christian to pray. E.M. Bounds, in his book, um, The Complete Works on Prayer, he says a man cannot possibly be called a Christian who does not pray. If a man does not pray, he's a sinner. For prayerlessness is indeed a great sin. Prayer is the only way that you and I as children of God, as Christians, can have an intimate relationship with God. A secret prayer life is the key to our public service life. If we don't have a secret prayer life, God can't use you in your job. God can't use you in your school. God can't use you at the gas station, the grocery store. It is what we do in private that, that God energizes us, that he might use us Publicly, you look through all of history, you look at all the great men of God, you look through the Bible, you look at men in our country, you will not find a great man of God who was not a great man of prayer. Prayer is the key to the power of God, uh, not just appointing his people, but anointing his people. Anointing is the key. Prayer is the heartbeat of the church because it's the heartbeat of the Christian. It is the vital element of us going forward together in the power of God. It is a divine conversation where mortal man gets to talk to the creator of the universe. Does that not blow your mind? The opportunity for mortal, sinful, broken, no good, fleshly man to talk to holy, sovereign, eternal, righteous, omnipresent, omnipotent, never beginning, never be ending, never ending God. What a great privilege God gives us through prayer. It's more than a presentation. It's a partnership. It's more than an activity. It is authority. If we're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be a people empowered by prayer. What's wrong with our country today is we don't pray. Boy, that got things quiet. What's wrong with our country today is Christians are no longer a people of prayer. We're not earnest about the things of God. 
We're not earnest about trying to get in touch with the things of God. We are empowered through prayer. Prayer is God's designed communication, but it is also the means by which God moves. God designed prayer because God desires communication. The first three encounters that we find that God has with man is in the first three chapters of the Bible. In the first chapter, Genesis chapter 1, God's first conversation with man, he gives them a blessing. Chapter 1, verse 28, book of Genesis, God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be from meat and to every beast of the earth to every fowl of the air to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so God's first conversation with man is a blessing he said here's all your blessings God's second conversation with man was a warning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That's exactly what happened. Man died in the spirit. That's why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. Man did not die that day to the flesh. They died to the spirit. Now we have Hebrews 9, 27, appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. There is a day coming. God's third conversation with man, we see God's grace when God makes way of redemption because of man's failure. Genesis chapter 3, God comes walking through the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve. They're hiding from him because of their sin. So God comes in, and, and you have the, the rapport there where he identifies the sin, and God puts the curse on man and curse on woman and childbearing and the curse on the earth that man has to plow and all the thorns and all that come up. But after putting down the curse, God killed an animal, and he made coverings for his children. In the first two encounters, it's God speaking as God sets boundaries. In the third encounter, God comes to man. Mankind has sinned, and God knows it, yet he comes looking for man anyway. God desires the conversation with man. When man does finally speak, God probably thought, why don't you shut up? Because all they did was blame somebody else. The man blamed the woman who blamed the devil, and it's been that way ever since. We see that sin broke the covenant. God had made a covenant with mankind. Sin broke the covenant. Sin damaged the dominion. God had given them dominion over all the things, and God pushed them out of the garden and set an angel there to guard against it. They can't go back in. So we see that it, that it broke the dominion. We, we see that it injured the relationship. Sin in the heart of man injured the relationship with God, but even still God would not allow sin to completely sever the relationship because God desired it with man. Today, God speaks first. We have God's Word. You do not have to wonder what God thinks about your situation. You do not have to wonder what God wants you to do next. If the Holy Spirit wants to use you, He will clearly give you an inside evidence of what it is. But if you're not in line with this, you're not ready to be used. If you've got questions about things and you want to know the answers, God said, this is the handbook for my children. It never changes. It never moves. 
If you need strength, it's like a river of living water bringing down fresh nutrition every day. You'll never walk up to this river and find it dry. You'll never walk up and not find fresh things coming down it. You'll never come up to it and not find fresh water. You'll never come to it and not find a meal for the day. This is everything you need. God has already spoken. So God has already established communication with mankind. So if you're going to pray, you need to read the book. I've said it a lot of times, it's good when you pray, to pray God's Word back to Him. It's good when you pray to quote Scripture back to Him. It shows that you've read it, but most of all, it proves that you believe it. It's God's Word that teaches us to pray, but we've got to pray out loud. I understand the, the being around people and, and the being quiet and the, and the not saying, but there comes a time if we truly love God, we need to tell God out loud, Lord, I just want you to know I love you. I just want to thank you for what you've done. I just want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for grace. I want to thank you for mercy. I want to thank you that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I want to thank you that all my sins have been blotted out in the blood of the Lamb of God, cast away as far as the east is from the west. I just want to thank you for giving me a family. Thank you for giving me a home. Thank you for a roof over my head that I ain't been out in the rain this week. Thank you for a car that got me here today. Thank you, God, for air conditioning. I'm one don't like to be hot. We need to tell God, listen, if a man loves his wife, he can think he loves her all he wants to and assume that she knows. But if he does not tell her, he is gravely mistaken. In order for somebody to know that you love them, you are to tell them with your mouth and back it up with, with the things that that you do from the heart. Prayer is simply talking to God, telling Him I love you, and, and it is giving Him the things of the heart. Prayer involves speech. God created man with the capacity to speak for a reason. God made man in His own image. That's what the Bible tells us, right? In our image, in our likeness, created He them. So man is the only creation that God has given the ability to communicate through speech because God is a speaking God. Does God know your thoughts? Absolutely. Be careful what you think. That's a good prayer for you, God, help me control my thoughts. Well, if, my, if I could control my thoughts, it would help a lot in controlling my doings, Amen. God, help me, help me control my thoughts. Can God hear what we think to him in prayer? Yes. That's how throughout the day we maintain an attitude of prayer. You prayed verbally in the morning, you prayed verbally at night, but throughout the day, yes, he, he can hear what we're thinking. But there's something special about putting things into words. The choir could have stood up here and thought that song. And it would have meant nothing to none of us. They'd have been looking at us and we'd have been looking at them. But they put it into words. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? That they put into words what they wanted to say and it became a blessing. God could have fought the universe into existence. But he didn't. God spoke creation into existence. Man's ability to speak is a divine quality that is to be used for a divine purpose and that divine purpose is communication with God communication with others is important but until we first communicated with God we're not fit to communicate with anybody else 
We're not fit to love the brethren. We're not fit to be a oneness until we've communicated with God first. We're not fit to reach the lost. We're not fit to be a usable vessel. We're not fit to, to be a witness to someone out there and tell them about Jesus Christ unless we've been alone with Jesus Christ, unless we've been alone with God the Father through the blood of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit making intercession on our behalf until we've talked with God. We're not fit to talk to anybody else. So conversation is designed to have a oneness with God. James chapter 3, he talks about that unruly tongue. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That nasty tongue. I would say I could cut it out and it make me better, but that wouldn't stop me from thinking the things I think. It's got to start in here to get to here to take care of here. Chapter 4, James says, You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. Asking is a verbal communication so could god act apart from prayer well absolutely he could but he chooses not to prayer invites god's involvement into our situation y'all didn't hear that did you prayer invites god's involvement into our situation can God act in your situation without being asked? Absolutely. Will he? Absolutely not. God, God seeks prayer. Remember we talked about it last week, about how God will wake you up in the middle of the night to tell you to pray for someone, and there's someone over here that's having something wrong, and God could just fix it, but he don't. He wakes you up at 2.30 in the morning and tells you to pray for them, and then you find out something was going on and how God moved in their life and how God made a difference. That's because God woke you up, told you to pray, so that he might answer your prayer and go over and fix it because God moves through prayer. John Wesley says, God governs by the prayer of his people. James goes on in chapter 4, say, You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. A heart that is in tune with God, it will be led by the Holy Spirit of God and will pray according to the will of God. A heart that is, is reading this book and truly in line with God, it is the Holy Spirit that will pray in us and, and pray through us. We will pray based on the promises of the Scripture. Prayer is a gift. It is a privilege to be allowed into the Holy of Holies. It is a privilege to walk into the presence of Almighty God. No one before us could do those things. We are told to come boldly into the throne room of grace. We're told that when we come in there that we can find mercy there. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. Some Somebody ought to have a running lap. You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God the Father has picked me up out of the mire, picked me up out of my sin, wrote my name in his book of life, put a robe on me, set a seal upon my forehead that the demons of hell can't touch me, put a ring on my hand, called me a child of the king. We ought to have a running fit. We have been adopted whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In the Old Testament, Israel knew God as Father, but they never called God Father. You, you won't find that in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, no one but the high priest 
could go into the Holy of Holies behind the veil once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. You and I can walk in there. The Bible says that kings and prophets of old desired to do what you and I can do. They desired to go behind the veil. They desired to go in the presence of God. They desired to go into the Holy of Holies 24-7, 365. You and I are given the privilege to walk into the presence of Almighty God in His throne room, before His throne, in the presence of the Lamb, at the mercy seat of God, where the cherubim is and the blood's been sprinkled. God says that we can come anytime. We stand on the resurrection side of Calvary. We're given a great privilege to be able to pray. If that ain't enough, (laughs) he says we can call him Father because he has adopted us into his family. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. If that wasn't enough, He's given us the Holy Spirit to show us the error of our ways, to lead, guide, and direct us in the path that we should go. But if that's not enough, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. God wants us to pray, but He knows we're not very smart. He made us. He knows our limitations. Romans chapter 6 says in verse 26, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We are instructed to pray, but then we are told that the Holy Spirit in us will pray on our behalf to make sure we get it right. We live today in this this evil world, this this sin-cursed world world but even today even in all of the filth even in all of the turmoil even in all of the things that are going on around us the the bible tells us that we can have peace in our life through prayer anybody need any peace anybody have any frantic things happen in your week anybody have any anxieties in your life anybody face any complications anybody face any fears anybody face any doubt Anybody need God to show up and give you some peace? Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Not a little bit, sort of, kind of, maybe if. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. It is prayer that, that quietens the soul and instills the heart. It is prayer that calms anxieties and, and takes away the fears and uncertainties of the world. You remember what I shared with you last week about, about the rock altar? I, I, I told you before church, and it wasn't supposed to be part of the message. I, just, I went down there, and I was at the rock altar. I was praying last Sunday morning before church, and, and I wanted to hear the creation of God, the birds and the things going on. But I could not hear God's creation because of all of the noise of man's creation. It was one of those cool mornings where the highways was particularly loud and it sounded like I was sitting on the yellow line of the four lane. That's why I had to pray with my eyes open. I was scared I might get run over. I I told you I was trying to hear the things of God, but I couldn't hear over the noise of man. It is prayer that drowns out the things of the world. It, It is prayer that positions our heart to experience the things of God. Jesus said, John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That's not ye might. There's no maybe in that. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome 
the world. Earnest prayer brings the presence of God. And the presence of God brings peace. Anybody heard that? Raise your hand. If you don't, I'm going to repeat it. Well, that's enough of you. The rest of you watch it on YouTube later. Much of the anxiety and and the frustrations, the things that we deal with in in life today can be traced back to an attitude of prayerlessness. Mm Going to get quiet up in here on a Sunday morning now. Without a daily, 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 how often is daily? Is that like every day? You mean like I got to do it Monday through Sunday every day? Like I can't skip a day? Without a daily prayer life. Without, without some consistency, prayer ought to become habitual. I'm not saying we ought to pray as a habit. We just ought to be in such a habit of praying that we'd be scared to walk out of the door without it. You'd be scared to get in a car and drive around in this town without praying first. We, we ought to have a consistent prayer life. It ought to be a desired prayer life. Not because you heard a message. Not because you saw something there. We ought to desire a relationship with God. We ought to desire an intimate oneness with the creator of the universe. Not just the creator of the universe. But the savior of my soul. The redeemer of my eternity. We ought to have a desire to get with him and it ought to be an unhurried prayer life. Mm Mm-mm. We, we ought to take time. If you got to get up a little early, get up a little early. God doesn't use lazy people. I'll go ahead and tell you that. God has no desire to use the slothful. He doesn't call the slothful. He doesn't appoint the slothful. God uses the one that will get up early and seek him. And then God will use him. We need an unhurried prayer life. I know we're in a microwave society. I'm probably in a bigger hurry than most people here. I'm better now than I ever have been in my life. My wife said amen on that. I'm not as hyped up as I've always been and geeked up and I'm still a little bit type A but not as bad as I was when I was self-employed and the faster I worked the more I made so it drove me to work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, We ought to have an unhurried prayer life if our morning starts out frantic if our prayer time is frantic rest assured your day is going to be frantic we started it that way it'll stay that way earnest prayer invites god to intervene in our day it summons the power of heaven to go before me as i drive go before me as i walk Walk with me as I go. Speak through me when I speak. Empower me when I need to be empowered. Use me as you will. Prayer summons the power of God into everything we do. Charles Spurgeon says, We should pray when we're in a praying mood, for it would be a sin to neglect so great an opportunity. We should pray when we're not in a praying mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in such an unhealthy condition. It's always amazing to me how God works. Is, it, is anybody amazed by God? Isn't it amazing how God just shows up in the little things in your life? You know what I'm talking Desires of your heart. Isn't it amazing when God shows up and, and, and He gives you something? To be honest, you, you really want it, but you, you've not even asked for It's just like a nugget. It's just something special. 
So I, I told you about the story last week. I, I told you about being out at the rock altar. We just talked about, about hearing the noise. And the noise of everything going on is so loud that I can't hear the creation of God. That's Sunday. Wednesday after church, Brother Peter Hutchins gives me a sack of about 15 books. I don't look through the books. He says, that's a book a week. Well, I'm sorry, a book a week I'll be reading from now on. So I took two out, threw them on the desk, set the sack over the side. I got up and read one Thursday, read one Friday. This is a story that was in the book. A king commissioned a contest among artists. Whoever could depict perfect peace on canvas would win the king's admiration and great treasures. Two entries were in the final review. One was a setting so serene, it seemed to be the epitome of peace and tranquility. Oohs and ahs were resounded from the spectators as the painting was unveiled. Nothing was out of place. Every detail was well-ordered. It was a picture of perfect peace. Everyone assumed this was the sure winner of the contest. As the second entry was unveiled, it drew a gasp from the audience. The canvas depicted everything but serenity. A massive waterfall dominated the scene. The angry white foam in the midst of the spray could almost be felt as it leaped off the canvas. The deafening roar of the waters was implicit. The sky was dark and laden with streaks of lightning. The painting shouted, stormy skies, thunder and lightning, rain, tumbling and roaring water. It seemed to be the exact opposite of peace. But then someone noticed that in the center of the painting, faintly behind the waterfall, <laughs> in the cleft of the rock, a songbird had built a nest. Sheltered by the rock, the songbird sat on her nest, confidently joining nature's symphony as though she had been assigned a beautiful solo. Well, you could almost hear her singing. Her beautiful song almost leaped off the page, drowning out all of the noise that surrounded. Everyone knew that this was the perfect picture of peace. To be in the cleft of the rock, in the middle of the storm, and sing. God gave me that in a book that I ain't never heard of on Thursday morning just because I was upset by the noise down here the Sunday before. Psalms chapter 27, David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumble and fail. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set my feet upon a rock. That old hymn, Rock of Ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. God is the rock of ages. And God has made a cleft in the rock, a hiding place where you and I can come. All the things that we face in today's world, God says, come sit down right here by me. 
Come sit in my lap. I'm your father. Come up here as a little child. Except you come as a little child, right? Isn't that what Jesus taught us? He said, just come sit in my lap. Sit right here and talk to me about it. It's a place where we can come when we just need to run because we're afraid. It's a place where, where we can hide when the enemy is out trying to destroy us. Anybody ever feel like the enemy is out to get you? Anybody ever feel like you need a hiding place? It's a place where we can come and just sit in fellowship with the Creator. It's a place where we can come and ask for forgiveness when we made a mistake. Anybody ever know you messed up? Anybody ever know you sinned? The devil told you you're no good. God don't want you. God has nothing to do with you. You can't talk to him. God says, come on, sit down in my lap and tell me about it. Just come here and ask for forgiveness. I'll cleanse it in the blood of the Lamb of God. And the relationship is restored. It's a place where we can come for healing when we're sick. Anybody sick? Anybody need to come? Jesus instructed us that we ought to pray if we're sick. It's a place where we can come for comfort when we're stressed out. Anybody face stress in your life? Anybody have anxieties in your life? Anybody your job creates stressful situations? Oh, I'll not, don't raise your hand on this one. Anybody in your household, it creates a stressful situation? Anybody got things you need to be resolved from? God says, just come sit down, and I'll give you comfort when you come talk to me in prayer. It's a place where we can just come and talk with God anytime we want to no matter what the challenge no matter what the conflict no matter what the situation God says come here there's a place beside me in the cleft of the rock I will take care of you here all we have to do is pray it is the power of God restoration power anybody thankful for restoration power Richard Foster says to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, then we will abandon prayer. Oswald Chamber says, Prayer is not an exercise. It's the life of the saint. R.A. Torrey says, Y'all ready? Say amen if you're still awake. I'm done. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. R.A. Torrey says, When the devil sees a man or a woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray. And above all, when the devil sees a whole church on their knees before God, he trembles because he knows that his day in that church and in that community is at an end. I want to be that person. I want us to be that church. Do you desire to be that church? I, I don't want to come to church on Sunday morning and be entertained by fantastic singing. I don't want to come to church and have to sit there and take a nap and snore over a boring message. I want to come in here on Sunday morning to praise the Lamb of God who is worthy of my praise and feel the Holy Spirit of God move through this place and heal sickness and mend broken marriages and fix up problems and give people jobs and take care of financial situations and save lost souls. I want to see the power of God move. I want it to trickle out from this place that there's something going on there and it ain't going to trickle out until something's going on here and there ain't nothing going to be going on here until we become a people adamant about prayer getting in touch with God God says come on men ought always to pray God says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much you know what's crazy there are no righteous men but all of us are righteous through Jesus Christ. <laughs> His righteousness is our righteousness as our Savior. So God says that when we come, we come in the righteousness of the Lamb of God. 
And if we have effectual, fervent prayer, it'll move mountains, cast them into the sea. Douglas Small, last quote. Douglas Small says, If we would go to God with our troubles, man, it's been such a good message. I hate to end it on such a negative one. Maybe I'll just leave it out. If we would go to God with our troubles, with our concerns, and even our complaints, and not go to our neighbor. If we would talk to no one but God about our hurts and disappointments, it would cure a great deal of the gossip, the slander, and the discord within the church. And it would empower the church for God to use it. Boy, that's got a sting to finish the morning, don't it? Do we really want to be a church? I, I, I'm not looking for church as usual. I don't care nothing about religion. I care about a relationship. And the relationship is only built through the power of prayer. But if I build my relationship with God, and each one of us builds our relationship with God, then God builds our relationship together. Then God empowers us as one, to be one body of Christ, to move mountains. Amen? Do, do y'all do y'all want that at Faith Baptist Church? Is good music okay with you or do you want more? Is an occasional message okay with you or do you want more? Sunday school all right with you or you want more? Getting Wednesday nights back in and putting Sunday nights back in, is that okay or do you want more? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you want more. I'm going to ask you if your, if your anxieties will let you come to an altar. I'm going to ask you to come. And, and I don't mean that sarcastically. I truly don't. That, that's a reality in today's world. And I, I don't mean that in any negative way whatsoever. Anxieties, anxieties are real. And getting around crowds of people is, is real for some. So I don't mean that bad. I'm, I mean, honestly, if your anxieties will let you come gather in this altar, I'm going to ask you to come gather in this altar. If, if you can't come gather around people, I'm going to ask you to stand. Everybody stand. I'm going to ask you to pray right where you are this morning. Prayer corrects wrong thinking. It is prayer that, that realigns godly thinking and godly character. We can talk about prayer from now until Jesus comes back. And nothing will change. When we become a people of prayer, services in here will change. Our way we serve God will change. Things in our life will change. The things that we desire, the things that we're adamant about will no longer be the things of the world. We will begin to desire the things of God in our life when we become a people of absolute prayer. But it has to start with me. And everybody has to think the exact same way. It has to start with me. I'm the one that has to up my prayer life. Everything starts with the person in the mirror. Amen? Take a minute and pray. Go ahead and sing, guys.